The Veterans Affairs Diabetes Trial may help to resolve concerns raised by the Accord and advanced studies. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. James A. Underberg, a clinical assistant professor of medicine at New York University Medical School and director of the Primary Care Lipid Management Clinic at Bellevue Hospital in New York, New York. Dr. Underberg, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. How long has the Veterans Affairs Diabetes Trial been going on? Well, the enrollment phase of the trial lasted for two years, followed by a treatment period between five and seven years. So we're looking at anywhere between two and a half to seven and a half years at this point. And how long is it expected to continue? There is a continuation phase that at present time is expected to go on for up to nine years. How many patients are enrolled in the study and where are they located? The enrollment group comes primarily from Veterans Affairs Medical Centers around the country. I believe there are about 20 of them participating with an overall patient enrollment of approximately 1,800. I think it's a little below that. And out of the 1,800 patients enrolled, how many cardiovascular events or deaths did the researchers expect would occur? Well, this was actually very interesting. Based on the risk factors associated with the patients and prior studies looking at similar patient populations, the investigators were estimating somewhere between 650 and 700 events in the study. In actuality, they had far fewer events approximately 460 total between the active treatment arm and the standard therapy arm. Why do researchers believe the numbers were so much lower than expected? If you go back and you look at the patients in this particular study and break it down based on the other cardiovascular risk factors independent of diabetes, what they were able to find was that this particular group of patients, and I think it's more evident of what we're seeing in general now with diabetic management, is that they had very good blood pressure control, their lipid control was excellent, they were dieting, exercising, and in general, the majority of them were taking aspirin. And so all of those together were controlling their other risk factors such that event rates were lower than what we had seen in earlier trials where these risk factors were not as well controlled or as controlled aggressively as they were in this study. What have the researchers discovered is the most important predictor of a heart attack or death for diabetic patients? Well, as you would expect, a prior history of another cardiovascular event was the single best predictor, followed closely, though, in this study by having a hypoglycemic event. So patients who had low blood sugars in the study, symptomatic low blood sugars, had a significant increased risk of a cardiovascular event, closely second to the most common, again, which was a prior cardiovascular event. What percentage of the patients had a hypoglycemic event during the study, and what defines that event for purposes of the study? Well, a hypoglycemic event defined in this study and in most other studies where people are looking for hypoglycemic events as far as a pre-specified endpoint usually means a blood sugar less than 70 along with symptoms. In this particular study, they were looking for symptoms related to impaired mental status or loss of consciousness. When you break it down to the intensively treated group, the group that was treated to the very low glycosylated hemoglobin versus the standard therapy group, about 21% of the intensive treatment group had hypoglycemic events versus 10% in the standard treatment group. 
Describe what the researchers found if patients had more than one severe hypoglycemic event. This is very interesting. They make a point in this study of saying that when someone had a hypoglycemic event, the protocol was set up such that they did everything they could to prevent a second hypoglycemic event. So the number of second hypoglycemic events were low, but it looks like people who had continued hypoglycemic events were at increased risk for cardiovascular events. How important is the time between diagnosis of diabetes and the start of intensive treatment? Well, here again, when you do post hoc analyses of the study group and even look at a sub-study that breaks down burden of pre-existing atherosclerotic disease on degrees of intensity, it turns out that the sooner that you got intensive therapy after the diagnosis of diabetes and the more aggressively you were managed, the more likely you were to do better, which speaks back again to why we try to identify and manage diabetes early, because we believe that if you can prevent the burden of atherosclerotic disease, you might be able to prevent events. How do findings from the Veterans Affairs Diabetes Trial help resolve concerns raised by the ACCORD and the advanced studies? Well, ACCORD was the first of these to be released, and there was concern in ACCORD that those patients who were treated intensively, actually at least a subgroup of them, might have done worse. And so this called into question, at least briefly, but I think inappropriately, the value of treating diabetics to aggressive goals. There was some concern in that study that perhaps the adverse outcomes were due to hypoglycemic events, but their sub-analyses did not bear that out. Advance also showed no benefit from treating patients to aggressive blood sugar goals with regards to cardiovascular outcomes, but there wasn't the same signal towards adverse events or adverse outcomes in patients with aggressive management. And in fact, in advance, we did see an improvement in some of the microvascular endpoints, particularly diabetic nephropathy and the progression of that. So when we combine all three studies together, I think it pretty much clears up the issue that that there really is no harm, I don't think, from aggressively managing our diabetics. What it tells us, and the way I look at this triad of studies, is that we need to aggressively identify and manage diabetes early. And if we're going to manage our diabetic patients with multiple medications, it's probably very important to avoid drugs early on, at least, that cause hypoglycemic events. There was a trend in the VA study showing that in the intensively managed group, there was actually a slightly increased death rate. And this may indeed have been associated with sudden death. Now, whether or not that was hypoglycemic events or not is hard to tell. But when you look at the type of medications used in the study, there's a whole group or classification of medications from thiazolinedione to insulin to sulfonylureas, and many of these drugs can cause hypoglycemia. So trending towards medications perhaps that don't cause as much hypoglycemia, perhaps such as metformin or the new DPP-4 inhibitors, like citagliptin, I think might be a reasonable approach that we can take away from all of this. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. James A. Underberg, a clinical assistant professor of medicine at New York University Medical School in New York, New York, discussing the Veterans Affairs Diabetes Trial. Doctor, tell us more about the increased death rate that you just referred to. Again, in the VA study, 
there was a small trend towards overall mortality increase in the more intensively managed group. It was a small number, and the investigators in the study explained that by saying there was an increased amount of sudden death, not cardiovascular event rates, and they were unable to pin it down to any particular drug or treatment or degree of blood sugar lowering. If you look at this group as a whole, one of the concerns, again, that came out in the study was that they were more hypoglycemic events in the more intensively managed group. And if you go back and look at accord and events, there at least have been some speculation that some of the sudden deaths or non-cardiovascular events may turn out in post-hoc analyses or more aggressive evaluations of the database to be hypoglycemic related. So again, I think looking back at management strategies, one of the things that you can probably try and take away from this is that in patients who are more likely to be susceptible to adverse outcomes from hypoglycemia, which are older patients or patients at higher cardiovascular risk, perhaps trying to avoid drugs, if you can, that cause hypoglycemia might be an advisable management strategy. And this is my own particular taken view on these trials. What do all three studies reveal about the drug Avandia? As you know, there have been some prior meta-analyses suggesting that the drug Avandia is associated with adverse cardiovascular event rates, independent of its ability to control blood sugar. In particular, in the VA study, there was a pre-specified analysis evaluating patients taking Avandia, and in both arms, there were a significant number of patients taking Avandia, approximately almost 80% at any point in the trial were taking the drug in both treatment groups. And the investigators found from their analyses that there was no increased event rate associated with patients taking Avandia. Now, people who would argue with this would say that since there were an equal number of patients in both groups, it might be hard statistically to make that evaluation. But this was a pre-specified endpoint, and the biostatisticians evaluating this data felt fairly comfortable in saying that Avandia did not increase event rates. If we go back and look at Accord and Advanced, post hoc analyses of those data sets also corroborate this. So as a group, when you look at a variety of prospective Avandia trials, including Advanced, Accord, and now the VA HIT study, the data that we see about Avandia actually seems fairly good. So this is in disagreement with some of the earlier meta-analyses that were released last year, which were done on a large group of studies with, in many of them, very small number of patients. So I think that clinicians can take heart in the fact that some of these newer studies are showing that patients who are taking Avandia look like they're not having increased event rates. Are you doing anything differently because of the results of these three studies so far? I think that what these studies have done is confirm, in my mind, the importance of early detection of diabetes. It's important to remember that when people present with symptoms of diabetes, in many cases they've had prediabetes or undiagnosed diabetes for a very long time. And while we know that diabetes is associated with both increased risk of macrovascular and microvascular outcomes, most of our clinical studies have shown that aggressively managing diabetes has really only been able to reduce microvascular event rates. I believe to a large extent that's because of the fact that in many cases diabetes has progressed for a long time and macrovascular disease already exists prior to the detection of diabetes, at which point aggressively managing blood sugar may not impact macrovascular outcomes that much. 
which means that we need to be very aggressive about early detection of type 2 diabetes. And perhaps if we can aggressively manage or prevent it, because we do know that the risk of prediabetes regards to cardiovascular disease lies in the likelihood of developing type 2 diabetes. So again, what has really focused my practice on now is the importance of early detection of diabetes or prediabetes and trying to prevent that process. Dr. Underberg, thank you so much for joining us to discuss the Veterans Affairs Diabetes Trial. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library of on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening.